Hola, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to From Me Para Ti podcast. This is Pamela Chavez. If you are new here, well, thank you. I really appreciate it. Um, if you want to keep up with the podcast, well, you can follow my podcast on Spotify or any other um, ways that you can listen to my podcast. You can just follow it or subscribe and you can be notified every single Friday when a new episode is available. And if you live in the United States of America, you know good and well what I want to talk about today. Um, but I think we're going to really, really unwrap it all. Because I've noticed there's a lot of misconceptions about the protest and the looting and the riots and um, Blackout Tuesday and um, what the media is telling you versus the reality, um, understanding racism in a whole new different way because I think a lot of people who don't really understand, um, which is okay, we are here to learn, um, that the Black Lives Matter movement is more than just police brutality. Of course, that is a huge, huge motivator, but it's so many layers of oppression and discrimination also systematic racism <laughs> sorry it's like a huge tongue twister um and yeah like let's really unwrap it all because let's really um listen to each other because i keep hearing oh well we can agree to disagree no to a certain extent no we cannot agree to disagree why because Racism is racism. It's wrong. Point blank period is wrong. And I understand people grow up differently and you can't help how you grew up. But to a certain extent and at a certain point in your life, you do have to take responsibilities for the things that you say and the things that you do. So... It goes above and beyond than just, you know, doing racism acts, but also what you say. So, let's get to it. Welcome to From Me Para Ti Podcast. Okay, I just want to... um, congratulate you um, for wanting to learn more on what you can do during this whole Black Lives Matter. Um, I would say it's more than a movement. I think it's a good civil rights redo. And I'm hoping that there won't be another one ever again. I think And I hope with all of my heart that this will finally be loud enough and we will all be able to move forward in the right direction um, to really understand 
systematic racism and colorblind racism and just racism as a whole um because unfortunately racism it's kind of like invisible if that makes sense as in people assume those who don't know um people still have the idea that racism is the kkk um separating whites and blacks from schools and all these things and 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 yes all that is true but it goes above and beyond you know and i think the young generation what we do today will definitely affect them as in a lot of children right now um or just young adults um are listening and watching all this go down and a lot of them come from racism racist household generational racism and i have seen videos of teenagers who live in households that their parents or grandparents etc are racist but it's just so beautiful and sad that these teenagers are trying to communicate to their older folks and their families saying hey this is wrong like it's been wrong you know racism is racism is wrong and the whole thing of you know all all lives matter absolutely no one said uh no one really matters or whatever like no one has said that however the reason why this is is a thing of the whole black lives matter is because everyone will not 100% matter as in like have the opportunity to have a loan for a house or um get an education um get that job or being afraid of the police based on your skin tone uh, of your race and until we truly everyone and i mean everyone it's not just the politicians and the president it starts from just regular people correcting one another and it starts with that and it's it's also sad because i see these teenagers crying um and frustrated on social media saying that oh my my family is racist and i'm trying to you know educate them and and they're just yelling at me and they're not listening and um that's frustrating when you're young and you have really important things to say and your parents and grandparents etc are not listening to you um that's hard you know it's really hard because when you're young where else are you going to go you know it's the same thing as if you're 
gay and you still live with your parents and let's say you're 15 um you have to be careful sometimes because if your family is homophobic you also don't want to get kicked out and become homeless and you also don't want to get hurt if you're at that risk of of being physically abused um so i understand same with this whole racism conversation you know when you're young and you live in a household and your parents are saying all oh, lives matter and and they're just hooligans and all this stuff like they're making a big deal out of nothing and um they should just listen to the police and they sh- wouldn't be getting killed and uh, that's frustrating that's really frustrating when you're young and you're living in a household full of racists and you're trying to you know speak up but don't let that discourage you um if you're young or you're a teenager uh and you live in a household with people who are homophobic or um racist etc you know pick and choose your battles i know in the episode prior to this one i did say to have a conversation with your family and to correct them and to continue the conversation however don't put yourself in a dangerous situation um i don't want no one to physically get hurt i know i saw a tiktok video that really broke my heart um she wrote black lives matter and and beautiful letters and and flowers and stuff with chalk in her parents uh drive-through i think it was their drive-through or their front yard and it was chalk so it's washable it's not a big deal um when it comes to you know her riding outside um and she's like i did it because my parents are racist uh and she also said that she's afraid that she might get hit you know like physical harm um but she said i don't care i'm going to continue to speak up and of course yes speak up but you know also please be safe you know uh, i have seen horrible heard and seen horrible stories of teenagers living in households where they're homophobic and they want to come out but once they do sometimes it gets ugly so just be careful if you're young and you're listening to us please be safe um but of course you know be the one family member that educates themselves and learn and changes um like for example i grew up in a catholic household and now that i'm an adult i disagree with the catholic church and catholicism um and yeah i i had to wait until i moved out in order for me to really find safety t- to express myself without feeling like oh i'm going to create a huge fight that can you know become dangerous so that's why i want to say just be safe in that um also is really dope that a lot of people are protesting 
that is amazing. People have been protesting since last week, and it's now Thursday. Um, so that is really incredible, you know. And, and I'm happy to see that it, it wasn't just a one-day thing, you know, um, because unfortunately the whole Black Lives Matter conversation and protest has been going on forever. <laughs> and sometimes I would see, you know, posts here and there or just one day of protests and then everyone goes about their day. But it looks like this time I have hope that things are going to move forward um, to really you know, be more aware of the systematic racism and inequality because, you know, it's all cutesy and all to just do the hashtags and all. But if you're not practicing advocacy and being an ally every single day, then we just go back to square one and again we see an innocent black man or woman being murdered by a police officer and nothing gets done no justice happens or we see um you know inequality and school funding and all but we just don't move forward and making it equal as possible. So I'm really glad that the protests are continuing. But with protests, of course, as as rightfully so, rightfully so, who are angry, um, things are getting, things have been actually, been violent here and there. Uh, I think the when I recorded my podcast last week, it was when I still didn't know 100% what was going on with the protests and everything. So it looks like there has been riots and looting and a lot of businesses and buildings have been destroyed. And at first, when I saw the Target store being destroyed, I mean, I'm not saying that's okay, but, you know, I was kind of like, okay, well, it's a billion-dollar industry. They'll be okay. And then I started to see small businesses and homes and people that are just innocently just there trying to live and their businesses were destroyed and I just want to say that number one obviously I don't condone violence I don't think violence is the way to go (laughs) and destroying things is not the way to do things however You cannot expect a group of people that created this country, which are 
black po black population. You can't expect them to be mistreated for so long since day one and building this country, this nation, and you can't expect them and people, just people in general, to be tired, to be completely have tried everything, any shape or form of protest and saying, hey, this is, this is wrong. You, you keep shutting us down. You keep killing us. You keep pushing us down in any way possible. We're fed up. I mean, what did you expect? What did you expect for what to happen? So, of course, I don't think it's okay to destroy things and, and um, burn things. But, hey, I don't blame them. Heck, I'm furious, too, and I'm not black. And another third point I want to make is the media is not telling you the full story. The media is only showing you the aftermath and some people, you know, continuing to destroy buildings and setting things on fire, etc. But if you see videos from just regular folks who have gone to these protests, who are not journalists, who are not connected to any news report company, um, you will see that a lot of the people who are looting and creating the violence are undercover police officers. And racist people who they know that they destroy things to make it look like is the black population who are destroying things because the media has always painted um, black people to be disruptive to be uncivil to be angry all the time and have no class and violent and all of this, right? That's just the truth. And that's another thing that, you know, it's above and beyond than just police brutality of this protest. It's, of course, that is, you know, the motive of, of course, one of the biggest motives is the police brutality part. But also how America treats black people in this country even the way how they post about them on the media when a white man murders a bunch of people shoots up a school they paint the guy as oh you know he had mental illness he was bullied poor kid you know he he had mental illness and he didn't ha didn't come from a good home and boohoo so sad um you know just give this kid a break but when some one that does the same crime that's black oh oh hell breaks loose they paint this the the man or the woman who was black that committed the crime as these monstrous people and they're sentenced sentenced 
sometimes for life. And that's where it gets crazy. You know, same with, I saw today that there are more information about George Floyd of who he was as a person. And that apparently he has a criminal record. He had health issues, like um, he had addiction issues, and he has done other crimes and whatever. But they're just saying that to disregard the truth. Because, okay, let's just say, yes, he has some interesting dark history okay but when he was getting arrested he was killed and he was unarmed and he was choked he was suffocated so when a white man has a horrible record too or does something really horrendous how come they're not the ones getting killed? And I'm not saying, you know, hey, hey. I'm not saying that white men should be killed and all that. I'm not saying that. But there is a significant difference of how black and white people are treated. Rather, they're criminals or not. They are treated significantly, disproportionately different. And that right there in itself it's it's crazy because I want to recommend you all a book it's called The New Jim Crow Law and it is by Michelle Alexander I really recommend it um, it talks about mass incarceration against the black population it also talks about segregation it talks about how you know people think oh things are great now things are great because i have black and white and brown and all the taste of the rainbow classmates in one class like there's no racism anymore like everyone is equal but there is generational trauma and discrimination and oppression and unequal generational wealth and just it goes above and beyond as to show that racism is not over it has never been over has never been better. The only difference now is you don't see the KKK walking around freely anymore, like in your neighborhood every single day. You know, it's not like that anymore. What it is is systematic racism. Uh, I recommend also watching a video that you can watch, and it's called. Uh, what is systematic racism? And it breaks it down. I'm not going to go into details about that because I'm sure the video, also like the visuals and and the examples, 
does break it down really well um, that even a child can really understand what systematic racism is. So I really recommend that book, the new Jim Crow book by Michelle Alexander. Another book that I recommend is Racism Without Racists by Eduardo Bonilla Silva. Or you can just, you know, search Racism Without Racists and the book or whatever, and then it'll come out. And again, it also talks about very similar to the other book, The New Jim Crow. However, it also gives you more of a details of what really went down during um, President Obama election and before and after and how, you know, don't get me wrong, like, I was super happy when Barack Obama was elected president. Of course, like, I was super happy to see that part of history. Um, But I knew in my heart that racism isn't over. And it's sad. It's really sad that you would think, oh, you know, we finally have a black president. Racism is over. Yay. But your average Joe people are the ones dealing with the racism still. You know? And that's heartbreaking. And I'm not discrediting, you know, Mr. Obama because I am... Uh, definitely a fan (laughs) but at the same time I knew in my heart that racism isn't over and it's sad that people who have white privilege thought oh okay see racism, racism is over and you see black people who are millionaires and all that like it's over and and it's not and it's really heartbreaking because I understand if you have white privilege you know you don't really understand it um but I think and now more than ever especially with so much resources that we have now versus, you know, during the Martha Luther King days and all that. Like, we have so much access to resources and learning um, everything that we need to, to move forward. And it goes above and beyond also to just voting. Don't get me wrong, voting is definitely... A powerful tool if you have the ability to go vote absolutely please do go vote but at the same time there is a disproportionate voting amongst black people and white people in this country there are still a lot of black people in this country do have never had the opportunity to go vote And you might think, you know, how is 2020? How are black people still not allowed to vote? Well, in certain parts of the country, 
you need two or more forms of identification to go vote, to register to vote, and to go vote. And there are still black people who are older now, but when they were born, their black mothers weren't allowed to access a hospital because they're black to get birth. So a lot of them felt safer and had no choice to give birth at home. And they ended up not having a birth certificate. And a lot of states does ask you for a birth certificate for identification to be allowed to vote. And a lot of these black people who are still alive today, who are elders now, but have never had a chance to go vote because when they were born, they didn't have a birth certificate. And you might say, oh, well, you know, they can get a birth certificate, blah, blah, blah. Well, number one, it's thousands and thousands of dollars. Number two, they need witnesses who was there at their birth and are possibly either dead or can't um, witness that you were born in the United States, even though you were born and raised here, but um, that's America for you. And there's just so many barriers and loops that still happen to this day that prevents the black population to vote. And even I recommend searching um, the history in voting. I know in the um, Racism Without Races and the new Jim Crow books, it also gives you a history rundown about voting that there's still a lot of barriers for the black population to be able to vote even though they're citizens <laughs> you know what i mean like what the heck you might think you, the assumption of oh well they're americans of course they can vote but there's just so many barriers that it's not talked about and it's sad. It's not even talked about in regular public schools. I have learned more about black history in college when I was studying sociology than in high school. And it, and it infuriates me because it's infuriating. Because not everyone has the opportunity to go to college. It's hella expensive. And there's also other barriers to you know, prevent you to get an education. Um, and so, yeah, it, it's messed up that you have to go to college and receive a higher education to know your own history or to know the basic, real truth of history in America. Because last time I checked, when I was in high school or just going to regular public school as a kid, they didn't tell me all these needy greedy stuff about the real truth of the history in America. They don't tell you this, the truth. They don't tell you the truth about Thanksgiving. They don't tell you about the whole Christopher Columbus truth. They don't tell you these things. 
And they only tell you, oh, Martin Luther King, he was a great guy, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, he, he was assassinated, but, you know, then after he died, you know, racism ended. Like, what? No. <laughs> what do you mean? Um, and that's not true. And people have the audacity to use Martin Luther King during these times as if, like, using the Martin Luther King agenda of like see he said don't protest don't don't do don't go wild don't be violent blah 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 but black people have been protesting forever peacefully in so many ways in so many ways kneeling down uh not getting off the bus um all just so many different ways and not much has changed. And the sad part is there are still older black people in this country who have said not much has changed. And it's sad that their grandchildren are protesting the same damn thing they've been protesting when they were kids. That shouldn't happen. And it's heartbreaking also that I've been seeing little children protesting during these times. And, and of course, we should educate our children to fight for what's right and use their voice and stand up to racism. But children shouldn't be out there protesting because... Their generational, older generation family were protesting the same thing years ago. So these children right now in 2020 wouldn't have to. So damn right people are furious because this isn't new. It's repeated over and over of the no justice, no peace. And of course, you know, we're humans. We're going to screw up. We're going to make mistakes. So racism will not, unfortunately, be 100% over. But we, we, we need to figure something out. And we need to start to really listen to each other and stop saying, oh, the looting, blah, blah, blah. And like, okay, yeah, the looting, of course, that's bad. But you're missing the whole point. You're missing the whole point. And I even had to unfollow and unfriend a lot of people, even people who I actually kind of considered as a friend. And I had to cut them off because all they care about is the looting. It's like, dang, is that all you care about? Like, you're missing the whole point. You're missing the whole point that we have children out here protesting when they should be enjoying their summer. These kids should be enjoying their summer. And of course, we have the we still are in a pandemic, you know, uh, with the COVID. So of course, summer wasn't going to be a hundred percent normal because of the pandemic. However, these kids should be like excited to learn how to do how to ride a skateboard and how to ride a bike, not protests of not being shot one day by police because of the color of their skin like what the heck
when their grandparents and great great grandparents and, and and older older generations have been doing this since day one, so they wouldn't have to. So, I know I got a little <laughs> too passionate, but hey, I I I don't blame them for for them to be upset, not upset. I mean, angry. Um, and. Speaking of angry, I have heard a lot of black women say to me that when you're black, you are criticized for everything that you do. If you are educated, you're white. Oh, you're trying to be white. You're you're trying to be like the oppressor. And if you're not educated, oh, you're too ghetto. You're too ratchet. Like you know, fix yourself up. And if you wear your hair natural, oh, no, 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 that's unprofessional. That's nappy. No, that's that's not the way. You, you won't get a job that way. And if you do wear a weave and straighten your hair, oh, why are you being white? Why are you being ashamed of your of your natural hair? And if a black woman... You know, it's too skinny. Oh, like, you need more meat in your bones. You need to be curvier. And when a black, young teenager happens to have curves, they sexualize her at a very young age. And there is a significant difference with that, too, of when young black girls hit puberty versus white young girls hit puberty, black young girls are sexualized really early on and so the same thing of the whole you know when a black woman speaks her mind she gets criticized for that too they tell her oh speak up speak up don't let people walk all over you and when black women do speak up they're afraid of coming off as, oh, you're too angry. Well, calm down. Why are you, why are you being angry? And it's like you damn if you do, you're damn if you don't. And what's heartbreaking is my incredible, amazing boyfriend. And yes, I, <laughs> I'm hyping him up. Because, you know, yes, he's my boyfriend and all, and I I love him dearly. But, you know, he has shared with me some things of being black and disabled and, and being educated. He's been told, you know, oh, you act too white. Or, you know, he feels like whatever he does it's not black enough or it's never good enough and that is what a lot of black people deal with it's it's not just police brutality but being criticized for everything and that is why it's infuriating when People say, oh, well, if black people were to know how to respect the police, they wouldn't be getting shot. When, unfortunately, 
black mothers have been teaching their black sons on how to be careful since day one. Since day one. So that's why they are going through so much pain. Not just physical pain, but emotional and mentally. Because no matter what they do, it's never good enough. They protest peacefully. It's not good enough. They protest screaming with all they have, with all the energy that they have, and it's never loud enough. And I'm very grateful and fortunate. I grew up with a variety of people. Um, My parents are Mexican, and I pass as white sometimes. And I I do have white privilege to a certain extent. Um, I don't have a Mexican accent like my older generation family. I have snow white skin um but I have seen black people and Mexican people who are darker than me go through hell and I've seen it with my eyes even in in, in classrooms I, I've seen it happen And I think more than ever, I've been just really emotional these couple of weeks. I mean, I've always been an ally to the black community as much as I can be. And I'm still learning, you know, just because I have a sociology degree and I have a black boyfriend and I grew up with black people and, you know... I have always been an ally in some way or another. I'm still learning. And I think I've been more emotional this couple of weeks is because my future husband is black. And I worry for his safety and his family. And my future children. I I said in the other episode that, you know, I don't plan to have biological children. But um, I do want to adopt with um, my current boyfriend in the future. And we've learned that in the adoption industry... Um, Black children are less likely to be adopted, especially black boys. And I know one day I will be a mother to a black son. And I will have to have conversations with him that it's going to be hard. But I hope I I do my best 
Um, of course, I don't want him to be afraid, but to also be unapologetically black. And to just be himself. And yes, the world will see him as a threat at some point in his life, but I hope by then things will be better. Um, And again, this is more than just a political thing. If you are a person of color listening to this, and you are in high school, or thinking of going to college, or currently in college, and you're a person of color, especially if you're black, please stay in school. And try, if you, if this is your passion, of course, become a doctor or a lawyer um, in very white institutional racism careers because we need more people like that look like you to defend people because black pregnant women are more likely to die during pregnancy or labor or lose their child because black women are less likely to get full attention care due to racial bias and discrimination and inequality and and, and um, medical insurance etc of course you know don't become a doctor if that's not your passion but I think more than ever we need more black people in higher power positions because we need people that have felt this pain they know what it's like to they know a hundred percent on what this whole Black Lives Matter movement is about. So if your passion is school and getting education, don't get discouraged because you're first generation. Don't get discouraged because you're the only black student in the classroom or the only Latino in the classroom. I've been there. Um, feeling like I'm not smart enough or I don't belong in school. But it's worth it. It's really worth it. And if you're not able to get an education, then that's okay. Vote. Educate others. Surround yourself with good people. Um... Sometimes it's going to take losing friends because I prefer to have 
friends that are willing to learn and destroy racism one step at a time than to say, oh, we can agree to disagree. It's like, no. (laughs) Racism shouldn't be of okay, not okay battle. It's never okay. And I just want to just take a little moment of talking about the Latinx community because I'm Latina, I'm Hispanic. Um, My parents are Mexican and I was born and raised in the United States in the Midwest. And I've been seeing a lot of discussions, which is great, about colorism in the Latinx community. And I want to take some time to to talk about that too. Um, First and foremost, I want you all, even if you're not Latinx, I want you all to watch a documentary called Harvest of Empire. It's on YouTube. It's a couple of dollars, I think. Um, Or you can watch part of it for free on YouTube. But I do recommend watching that because it'll explain why a lot of Latinx people are ashamed of their blackness and the battle of Oh, if you don't speak Spanish, you're not Latino enough. If you do speak Spanish, oh, you need to, like, become more American. Um, That documentary kind of explains the relationship with Latin countries, um, with America and the United States and the history Now, I'm only going to talk about my Mexican culture experience. But what I can say is... I have heard some colorism... um, Growing up. I remember having... I have, actually, still have a family member... Um, and I'm not going to say names. Um, this family member said that it's a good thing that I have white skin because white skin is beautiful. And when I heard that as a kid, I just kind of like, okay, that's weird. I kind of brushed it off. Like, I just probably went outside and played. I don't know. Like, I just lived my life. And then as I grew older, and learn more about racism and colorism and, you know, all this stuff. I was like, whoa, like, wait, that's colorism. And the Latinx community. And my theory is, I think it starts with when Mexico was colonized by the French and the Spanish. Um, I mean, heck, Spanish isn't the first language in Mexico. You know, there's a lot of indigenous uh, Indian culture in in Mexico, and that was pretty much washed away. Um, 
by colonization and civilization to try to live the European way. And even religious war. You know, the Aztecs, Mayans, etc. had their own religion and forced to practice Catholicism. That is why Mexico, number one religion, is Catholic. And a lot of these indigenous people were forced to learn Spanish. Um, and another thing I want to touch base on is a huge portion of the United States of America used to be owned by Mexico. And again, the documentary Harvest of Empire explains more into details why, um, because it's going to take me forever to explain. Um, but when it, when the United States took over part of Mexico land, um, a lot of people were stuck in the United States and be, were labeled as illegal when technically they were here for generations, but... Once it became the United States land, they're kind of like, oh, you're illegal now. So they were forced to speak English or be deported. A lot of them became slaves. Um, a lot of them tried to blend in to America as much as they could so they wouldn't get deported. Um, and I think... Even that in itself, language, shame, that's where it all started. I think that is why there's this battle of your Chicano or Chicana of if you don't speak Spanish well enough, you're not Mexican enough. And if you don't speak English enough, then you're too Mexican. And it's like this constant battle, shame. And... I think it comes from survival and shame, generational trauma, racism, shame, uh, with everything. So with that, I think that's why there's colorism too. If you had white skin, if you passed as white during those times of um, when there was a lot of separation of Latinos and blacks being separated from schools and all that. Um, if you passed as white, like myself, and you didn't have an accent, then you could go to white privileged schools. Even though you were Latino, you would just hide it. You would either change your name and just try to pass as white as possible. And it was a survival tactic, you know? It was a survival thing. I I know someone who she is a, a good three or four generations Mexican-American, and she doesn't know Spanish because her older generation had to stop speaking Spanish. They had to stop, or else they would continue to be discriminated. Um, so it was like a survival thing. And she has always felt like, man, I'm never 
Latina enough because I don't know Spanish. And it's not because I don't want to be connected to my culture. It's just that I didn't grow up with that because my family was afraid of continuing Spanish or else they would be oppressed and discriminated. And I think it's the same thing with, you know, black and the Latinx community. You know, it comes from shame and it comes from trying to blend in and forgetting that where we come from. You know, I know I probably have indigenous ancestors and also European ancestors because that's probably why I'm very fair skinned. Uh, heck, I can't even tan because I turned bright red. Um, so just be kind to each other. If you are in the Latinx community, please educate um, your family. Watch Harvest of Empire together. I think that's a great start. Um, but of course, you know, it's hard to educate people when they don't want to be educated. But start with yourself. If you grew up in a not, of course, not every Latin X households, you know, have racism and colorism um, households, but some do, and it's important to talk about them. And yeah, I hope that my future children won't have to worry about protesting during their summer break <laughs> and won't have to worry about this whole COVID thing too um, but please don't lose hope also be careful of your mental health and self care especially if you're black um, it's great that you are doing the best that you can but at the same time it's not healthy for us to constantly see every horrible video and updates you know take a mental health day or two to recharge because you need to also recharge the best that you can and and have good energies to give good positive energies to others because it starts with us it's change starts with us so if we're in the right mindset and and happy and recharged then we can give our better self to others and if you are white and or have white privilege you know use your white privilege for the best and keep learning I'm still learning even though I have a sociology degree and I'm Latina and all these things I'm still learning like my boyfriend said <laughs> he's told me I would have broken up with you if you wouldn't be as angry and upset that you are now if you wouldn't if you would have reacted kind of like oh well you know all lives matter and this and this and that he's like I would have broken up with you and I said that's fair 
you know, vice versa. My boyfriend um, has been very encouraging and, and very pro-immigration, and he wants people to have equal opportunities when they come to the United States. And it's okay if we speak Spanish in public, you know, and, and vice versa. I try to educate myself about black culture and everything. I, I do my best. And I think same with if you are in a interracial relationship, it's your responsibility to know your significant other culture and what they go through it's your responsibility especially if you plan on having children and how you're going to raise them it's super important and so I mean hey I don't blame him <laughs> I don't blame him to say to say that if I didn't care about all this he would have broken up with me and he said thankfully you have been an ally since before we started dating um <laughs> and that's what I mean of like to continue talking about all this even if the protest ends and all that or calms down continue to talk about it love one another um before I go and wrap this up Thank you for listening to From Me Para Ti podcast. My name is Pamela Chavez. You can follow me at Mela underscore the underscore the great. Same in my Twitter, Mela the Great. Um, Mela spelled M-E-L-A underscore the T-H-E underscore great G-R-E-A-T. The producer of this podcast and editor of this podcast is Mini Producer. You can follow him on Instagram and Twitter or miniproducer.com. Uh, he produces beats, hip-hop, trap, um, and rap. And he so happens to be my boyfriend. <laughs> so here's a some plug for him too um so yeah please be safe um let me know what y'all think about this podcast in the future i do plan to have guests who come from all different backgrounds disability lgbt all that it's gonna get great so stay tuned because every episode i do plan to add different types of topics and add people into the conversation so please be safe if you're protesting if not donate if you can there's so many information out there to sign petitions for justice vote if you can stay up to date on when is the voting date in your state and yeah be safe be kind and also, love yourself. See you later.